0: I sit down I'll finally be able to calm my heart and I ask the Lord what do you want me to know from this and it was literally just like he said here this all happened yesterday this is just like he said here why are you afraid you have so little faith remember who I am remember who I am I am God I am I am my spirit within you so what are you afraid if God is for us who could be against us Hey guys, welcome to the Lord I Need You podcast. This is episode six of this podcast titled The Trinity, The Accomplisher, Part Two. Now this is a three-part series where we are talking about the Trinity and trying to understand it more. So welcome. Thanks for coming. Thanks for checking this out. Um, Again, if you have not seen Part One, I would go back and listen to Part One before this because they kind of tie in together. We're going to recap it a little bit, but it's going to tie in together. I don't know if I've already said this, but my name is Casper Schistel, um, and I'm the messenger of this podcast. So thank you for joining us. Um, we are going to do a little bit of some plugs, real quick, just so we can get the word out there. We're going to pray, and then uh, we are going to dive right into a recap and then what this episode is all about. So stick with me here for a little bit as I go through the plugs. You can find this podcast, the Lord I Need You podcast, anywhere you listen to your podcast. You can find it on Spotify, which is my favorite, don't tell anyone. Um, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, Podchaser, all those places you can find this podcast. You can also find clips of the podcast as kind of like uh, updates when there's a new episode out. Uh, You can find it on Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube um, to find those there. So yeah, just search up Lord I Need You, uh, and it will come up on all those platforms. So let's dive in here. Let's pray and then do a quick recap on what episode one, what part one, episode five was all about. So if you can, put your hands together, uh, bow your heads, close your eyes, and take your hats off in respect to speaking to the Almighty Father. Dear Lord, thank you for this day, thank you for this time that we all together get to spend with you. Father, I pray for me personally that I'm I speak of you and I speak the words that you wish of me to speak, that if if I speak of something that is not of you, Father, I pray that you close my mouth. Um, but if I am speaking something of you, Father, please allow me to speak freely to have you bless anyone through me that is listening. Now, for those who are listening, Father, I pray that they have their ears open to hear what you have for them um, and to receive what you want them to know from this episode. Father, thank you for their presence here um, and for their time being spent here. Um, for those who are on the road or, do, or driving or anything like that, keep them safe as they drive. Um, Father, thank you again for just the opportunity to be able to speak this message and the opportunity to have them listen to what you have to say. We thank you, Father, um, and help us understand the Trinity more as we go through this episode. In Jesus' name, amen. So, perfect. Let's dive right in to uh, a recap of the episode, of last episode, and a little bit intro into this one. Now, I'm giving you a fair warning before we start, is that if you heard the last episode, you know that we went through a lot of different verses and flipped around the Bible a lot. This is going to be double that. So just to warn you, we're gonna be flipping a lot through the Bible and looking at a bunch of different passages and stories. Um, It's gonna be good. I personally don't love doing it this way. I like finding one piece of scripture and diving really, really deep into it. But fun fact, the word Trinity does not appear in the Bible. But God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit both reference the Trinity multiple times throughout the scriptures. So that is why we have to flip a bunch of different places to find that. So just fair warning. And first, we're going to open up to Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20. And it kind of this kind of gives us, oh, you'll also be hearing a lot of flipping of pages because this mic is too good. So I apologize for that. But the reason why we are reading this scripture is because it kind of gives us the overarching reason why, like the importance of learning about the Trinity and why we are doing so. So this is after the resurrection and Jesus back. This is right before he goes back to his father for the last time. Um, And so he's talking to his disciples, giving them kind of one last message before he leaves. Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all commands I have given you. And be sure of this. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Now teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. Those new disciples are us, by the way. We are the new disciples. Um, so when you receive Christ into your life, one of the biggest things we can do as followers is to go and uh, teach new disciples. As we become a new disciple, we need to go and teach others what we have learned and what God is um, teaching us now the whole reason why we we read this piece of scripture is because it says baptize in the name of the father the son and the holy spirit there's the trinity right there but the reason why this is so important in this specific specific scripture is because the most important thing we do when we as christians is to obviously accept christ as our lord and savior but in a chronological way the second most important thing we can do is then pronounce our faith to the world and, and get baptized and to pronounce to everyone that we know and love that hey I'm accepting Christ as my Lord and Savior I believe he is the one true God and but when we get baptized we don't get baptized in just God in the name of just God or in the name of just Jesus or in the name of just the Holy Spirit we get baptized in the name of all three the Father the Son and the Holy Spirit and the reason why Jesus specifically mentions all three is because all three are so important and they are all God but they are all different, and they all play different important roles in our lives. And so to understand the Trinity and to grow our knowledge on this is very important because we're getting baptized in the name of all three. So obviously to Jesus this is very important, so it should be important to us. Now, with that said, this epi- this series is not to give the Trinity in a perfect little bow and tie it up and say, this is what the Trinity is, here you go, go out with the knowledge and share it. You're not gonna find, you're not gonna find any any podcast, video description of the Trinity that's gonna wrap it up in a nice little bow of your understanding and give it to you. Um, this is meant for growth. This pure episode, this pure series, is just meant to grow our knowledge on the Trinity and what it is and what the different roles that the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit play in our lives um, and how important it is for us. That is the only reason why this episode is here and why the Lord is asking me to share this is for growth because this is something spiritual, um, very spiritual, the Trinity, and with our earthly, feeble minds, um, it's going to be hard for even Christians to understand completely what the Trinity is. We won't be able to understand completely because it is God, and there are just some things with how almighty God is that we're not going to be able to understand, but with that said... For those who don't understand Christ, for those who have not accepted Christ into their heart, into their heart as their Lord and Savior, uh, this is going to make absolutely no sense at all. Um, just probably like a lot of things spiritual, a lot of spiritual things don't make a lot of sense. Um, and that's truly, that's solely because, as we'll dive in a lot in part three, but with the Holy Spirit and his job uh, within our lives is that when we give our life to Christ, God's Spirit. AKA the Holy Spirit comes into our lives and we're able to understand spiritual things more. The Trinity is one of those things. Um, so, and to give you some proof within the word of that, we're going to open up to First Corinthians chapter 2, verses 14. Give me a second as I flip through, as you can hear me flipping through this thing. This beautiful book. Okay. Verse 14, and it reads. But people who aren't spiritual can't receive these truths from God's Spirit. It all sounds foolish to them, and they can't understand it. For only those who are spiritual can understand what the Spirit means. And let me sum it up for you like this. Just like in earthly relationships that we have with friends, it takes a lot of time, and once you become part of the family, like you start becoming family-like with your friends, that's when you start understanding their intricacies, how their spirit works, um, their little quirks and quirks and all that kind of stuff. It takes a lot of time for you to understand that about a friend. But that's when you become family, right? That's when you really, really, really know each other. It's the same thing here. When you accept the Lord Almighty as your Savior, then he becomes your father and you become part of his family. You become one of his children. And the second that happens, you receive his spirit. So it's almost like going through all those years of growing your friendship with someone, understanding, all happens within a second. And you receive the Lord's spirit within you. And you know the Father and the Father knows you. I mean, he created you, so of course he knows you. But you can understand, because you have the spirit, you can understand these spiritual things. So hopefully that makes a little bit more sense. So for those who have not given their life to Christ and are here listening to this podcast and to these episodes specifically, I encourage you to stay. Listen. Um, It's going to sound crazy, but listen, because at the end of every episode, I give any listeners, if they're feeling led to, the opportunity to accept Christ as the Lord and Savior. So if you do, great. If you don't, that's okay. Um, But if you do feel led to and give your life to Christ, I... Encourage you solely to go back to the beginning of this episode and listen to it all over again and just watch how different it is and how much you understand from what you didn't before just by accepting Christ into your Lord and Savior. So, now that we got kind of the reason why we're doing this out of the way, let's do a little Quick recap on what episode, what part one was, episode five, which was the Trinity, the planner. Now, through Scripture and through theologians' study of Scripture, they have found that the role that the Father plays within the Trinity is being the planner. He has a plan for our lives. Specifically, he has a plan for the world. Um, he always has a plan, uh, for he, again, is omnipresent and knows the past, the present, and the future. So, obviously, he has the all-knowing plan. And with that plan comes Jesus, the second part of the Trinity. And through, again, scripture knowledge, which we are going to go through a little bit today, and having the previous knowledge that the Lord is the planner, we can know that Jesus is the accomplisher, that he accomplishes parts of God's plan, overall plan. Um, one, for the benefit of our of our knowing and the benefit of our eyes, so we can see the Lord work in these miraculous ways through his Son. Uh, so we know that God the Father is the planner and Jesus is the accomplisher. So let's dive into what it is for Jesus to be the accomplisher and what that really means. Now, Jesus is recorded to have done 38 miracles within the word, which is crazy to do 38 miracles, but that's only the amount of miracles that Jesus was recorded on doing. We don't know how many he actually did. He could have done hundreds, maybe even thousands. Um, for being on this earth for, you know, a couple decades, I would imagine he would have done a lot of miracles within his lifetime, but who knows? Jesus does, I don't know, because I wasn't there, but Jesus does, and so does God, because he knows the whole plan, right? But anyway, we're gonna just take a little sneak peek at a few of those miracles, and to see um, how Jesus is accomplishing uh, the Father's work, and the Father's plan. So first, let's open up to John chapter two, verses one through 11. So I have these written down, so I'm sorry if I'm not waiting for you, but you can listen and I'll wait as long as possible. Here, so let's dive into John chapter two, verses one through 11. Now again, remember Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are the gospels and they are all different recount- accounts of recording uh, Jesus's life. And we're gonna be in all th- four of those books, I'm pretty sure, yep. We're gonna be in all four of those books and in different spots. So it's not all gonna be in chronological order, uh, but just so happens that the first miracle we're gonna look at is his first ever miracle that Jesus performs. So let's read a little bit. So verse one, the next day there was a wedding celebration in the village of Canaan in in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there and Jesus and his disciples were also invited to the celebration. Pause, I wanna take a quick moment because I think this is important. Jesus has never performed a miracle yet. Until this, until this story. And he already has followers. Did you catch that? Jesus and his disciples were also invited to the celebration. Now he's never performed a miracle. But yet he already has followers for him. Now though, that is what we need to strive to be. For today it's all about, we're going to go into this later, but seeing is Believing. Right? Oh, if I don't see it, I, I can't believe it. But here we have a perfect example of disciples, of people that are following Jesus without any any proof through a miracle that he is who he says he is, but in faith and in trusting in what he says and in trusting in his miraculous power. And personally, I believe that having followers, for Jesus to have followers without ever performing a miracle, which is when everyone starts realizing who he is and who he, that he is who he says he is, is because a partly of the trinity to where he is god they are all the same the father the son the holy spirit are all one and i believe that jesus being god and his presence that 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 brought having god's presence being close being near being near god's presence in an earthly form that is enough to bring followers and to bring disciples and to give them faith that he is who he says he is to them. So that is something that we need to strive for as believers. That just because, and again, we're going to get through this into this a little later, just because we don't see a miracle right in front of us every other day does not mean we can't believe in him and does not mean we shouldn't. Through all the facts from the word, and we have a lot more facts than these disciples did before Jesus ever performed a miracle. We have a lot more knowledge, a lot more facts, a lot more historical evidence proving that he is who he says he is. And just because we don't have a miracle happening right in front of our eyes every three seconds doesn't mean he's not real. We have to have faith and know that he is who he says he is. And I mean, with all this evidence, and again, you can do your own research on it. Now, let me keep reading. The wine supply ran out during the festival festivities. So Jesus's mother told him they have no more wine. Dear mother, that's not our problem. Jesus replied, my time has not yet come. But before that, I want to mention is why that's such a, why not having wine is such a big deal. What would happen in a wedding is that they would give the really, really nice wine in the beginning. And then once everyone kind of got, you know, mellowed out and chilled out through the wedding, they would give the less expensive wine. But if you ran out of wine, that was a disgrace. That was a sign of disgrace to the family and it was a really, really big deal if you ran out of wine. So this is why Jesus' mother is freaking out a little bit. And Jesus, knowing that he already knowing that he's God's son and that he is God, but he knows that his father has a plan for him, that he has to stick to that plan. He knows that his time has not yet come to proclaim himself as the son of God to the masses. So that's why he's saying, "I—it's not my time yet. I can't. It's not God's plan yet for me to start." So again, proving that God's plan and that He's the accomplisher of that plan, and that God's going to use Him as the accomplisher. But let's continue. But this mother told the servants, "Do whatever He tells you." Standing nearby were six stone water jars used for Jewish ceremonial washing. Each could hold twenty to thirty gallons. Now let's remember, He's using feet and hand water. Kind of nasty. But it's Jesus. He can do whatever he wants with it. Jesus told the servants, fill the jars with water. When the jars had been filled, he said, now dip some out and take it to the masters of the ceremony. So the servants followed his instructions. When the masters of ceremonies tasted the water that was now wine, not knowing where it had come from, though of course the servants knew, he called the bridegroom over. A host always serves the best wine first, he said. Then, when everyone has had a lot to drink, he brings out the less expensive wine. But you have kept the best till now. This miraculous sign at Canaan in Galilee was the first time Jesus revealed his glory. And his disciples believed in him. Crazy. Kind of funny that he used feet and hand water to turn into wine. And I love how it says that. But the servants knew what it really was. Kind of funny. But... Again, the reason why we're, why we're reading this passage is all for the yet my time has not yet come. He knows the Father's plan for him and that it was not time for him to proclaim his miracles out to the masses, but yet it was time for him to at least show those around who he really is and especially to those who are following him already, who are following him without a miracle. Uh, so what a beautiful gift that they got to receive right then. But let's go to the next verse, Luke chapter, whoa, messing things up. Luke chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. So let's check out Luke chapter 5. Verse 1 says, One day as Jesus was preaching on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, great crowds pressed in on him to listen to the word of God. He noticed two empty boats at the water's edge, for the fishermen had left them and were washing their nets. Stepping into one of the boats, Jesus asked Simon, its owner, to push it out into the water. So he sat in the boat and talked to the crowds from there. I <laughs> think that's pretty funny that he just saw a random boat. And the guy that owns the boat, was Simon, was right there. And he just steps on this guy's boat and then starts speaking from it. And then asks Simon to go push it out for him. I mean, what would you do if you were Simon. I mean, I guess there was a massive crowd there, but I just think that's funny that Simon just have some random guy step on his boat and then start ordering him around. But again, with the presence of the crowd and obviously since he is God, God's presence around him, you, that's that feeling that you just feel compelled to, to do as he says. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, now go out where it is deeper and let down your nets to catch some fish. Master, Simon replied, we worked hard all last night and didn't catch a thing. But if you say so, I'll let the nets down again. And this time their nets were so full of fish, they began to tear. <laughs> now, Before before, the, before getting into the miracle part of this, again, Jesus steps into his boat, tells him, hey, push, push me out. And he's like, uh, that's my boat, but okay. And then this guy literally fishes for a living. That's his job. He's a master fisherman. He knows what he's doing. And Jesus comes up and tells him, Yo, you're doing it wrong. Go fish on that side of the boat. Simon's like, what? I was just fishing out there earlier and there was nothing. And then, obviously, you follow the Lord's commands and you follow the plan of the Lord. And miracles start happening. So I just think that's pretty awesome. A shout for help brought their partners in the other boat. And soon, both boats were filled with fish and on the verge of sinking. When Simon Simon Peter realized that what had happened, he fell to his knees before Jesus and said, Oh Lord, please leave me. I am such a sinful man. For he was awestruck by the number of fish they had caught, as were the others with with him. His partners, James and John, and the sons of Zebedee were also amazed. Jesus replied to Solomon, Don't be afraid. From now on, you'll be fishing for people. And as soon as they landed, they left everything and followed Jesus. That's... That's crazy. Crazy that all he had to do was take one, just had to move it over, listen to, listen to Jesus, move over his nets. They had to fill two boats instead of one when Lily just earlier that day and fishing in the same spot and didn't catch a thing. That's the miracles of Jesus and that's his power. Again, accomplishing the Lord's plan to the Lord's plan specifically for Simon's life. The Lord's plan for Simon's life was to, was to become a disciple and follow Jesus. And this was part of the Lord's plan and Jesus followed it, accomplishing his plan. And then Simon became a follower. And so did many other people that day in the crowd watching Jesus perform this incredible miracle. And again, allowing Jesus's, since he is God, allowing his presence to just, just to have Simon say, okay, to everything he said and not to argue with him, not to say, you're weird. I'm not doing this. This is dumb. I know better than you. Just knowing his presence and following what Jesus had to say. I mean, it's just incredible. So now we're going to go to, let's go to the book of Mark. We're going to go to Mark chapter 1, verses 40 through 45. Give you a hot sec to get there. Okay. So this is another infamous, um, infamous healing and miracle that Jesus does. A man with leprosy came and knelt in front of Jesus, begging to be healed. If you are willing, you can heal me and make me clean, he said. Moved with compassion, Jesus reached out and touched him. I am willing, he said. Be healed. Instantly, the leprosy disappeared and the man was healed. Then Jesus sent him on his way with a stern warning. Don't tell anyone about this. Instead, go to the priest and let him examine you. Take along the offering required in the law of Moses for those who have been healed of leprosy. This will, pu- this will be a public testimony that you have been cleansed. But the man went and spread the word, proclaiming to everyone what had happened. As a re- as a result, large crowds soon surrounded Jesus, and he couldn't publicly enter the town anywhere. He had to stay out in his scheduled places, but people from everywhere kept coming to him. Now, this is a very interesting kind of blessing, because you would think that I mean, Jesus healing a man of leprosy. And then I love how Jesus tells him to follow the book of Moses so that no one can make a mistake here. No one can make a mistake that it wasn't Jesus or that he's not healed because he went on the path of their own knowledge, like of the earthly knowledge of being healed. He said, go along that path as well so that those with earthly spirits and earthly minds know just as well as I do that you are healed. I think that's super interesting. But also that Jesus would, one, tell him not to not to tell anyone. You would think that as Jesus, Jesus performing these miracles, he's out there, go tell everyone about me, go tell everyone so we can get as many people as possible. But again, that wasn't the Lord's plan. Now the Lord knew exactly what was going to happen here. The Lord knew that this man was going to disobey Jesus and go tell everyone because he was so excited. And that's understandable. And so I just think it was interesting that Jesus would have him. Now the reason obviously is stated here that he can't go to this places that Jesus wanted to go in peace and speak to those he specifically wanted to speak to because he knew, because he knows all, because he is God, so he is a planner as well, he knows that when this man goes out and speaks to all these people, these crowds are going to come and swarm him and he's not going to be able to get to the places he needs to get. But to me, again, it's just interesting that he would have him. And this one, I don't completely understand. I don't completely understand this one fully. That he would have him wait. I mean, I understand why it says it here in the here in the scripture. But again, there was there's a reason for everything. There's a plan for everything, and Jesus is there to accomplish the will of God, as he did here. He accomplishes the will of God. And and again, I wonder, like I said earlier, how many miracles. He had performed because if this man doesn't go out and starts telling everyone and says it very quietly, no one hears about it besides Jesus and this man with leprosy. And if the man with leprosy listened to the Lord, listened to Jesus, and didn't go tell anyone, then we would never have known about this miracle. Oh, so maybe that... Oh, I'm learning things right now with you guys too. Maybe that's part of the reason why... uh, The man didn't, that's part of the reason of God's plan was that the man didn't tell him so that we could have it in the word and have another example of Jesus performing a miracle and being the accomplisher of the Lord's plan. Oh, interesting. I don't know. I'll have to dive deeper in that one. I I say you guys dive deeper into that too, but he had me put this in here for the podcast for a reason. So I think that's pretty awesome. But obviously there's another form of Jesus, again, accomplishing the plan of the Lord that... The more miracles he performs that the Lord is asking him to perform, he's going to so that more and more can hear him to get closer to the point of the Lord's overall plan into accomplishing uh, dying for our sins, which is what we will get into at the very end. But let's go to, now let's go to back to Matthew, the book of Matthew chapter eight. Chapter eight. Uh Uh-oh, did I lose my little mark? Yes, I did. There it is, chapter 8, verses 23 through 27. Now, this one is a big one, and we're going to be talking a little while about this one, so let's get into it. Then Jesus got into the boat and started across the lake with his disciples. Suddenly, a fierce storm struck the lake with waves breaking into the boat, but Jesus was sleeping. The disciples went and woke him up, shouting, Lord, save us. We're going to drown. Jesus responded, why are you afraid? You have so little faith. Then he got up and rebuked the wind and waves, and suddenly there was a great calm. The disciples were amazed. Who is this man? They asked. Even the winds and waves obey him. This is a big one because, again, this is where we're going back to seeing is believing. The reason why Jesus was so frustrated in this situation was because after everything he's done, after all the miracles he's performed, and all the ones we haven't heard about, and these disciples are those who are closest with him. They've seen all these miracles. They've seen all of them and more. And yet, they know his power, and they know who he is. They know he's the son of God, and yet when they're on a boat, going through a storm, they still think it is hopeless, and that they doubt in his faith, asking him to do something because they think that something's going to go terribly wrong, even though they have the son of God right there next to him. Even the even the smallest lack of faith and the smallest doubt is going against what we know of the Lord and to have faith for he's greater than all things. So why do we have to fear? And these disciples have seen miracles happen in front of their eyes multiple, multiple times. And they're walking in the presence of the Son of God. And yet they still don't have enough faith to be, we got this. Because remember, when they accepted Christ as their Lord and Savior, like we read earlier, they have the ability to rebuke demons. To, And if you have, Jesus said later in the Bible that if you have, the faith of a mustard seed, you can be able to tell a mountain to move, and it will move. They have that kind of faith, but yet they doubt, and they have fear, and that happens to us every single day. It happened to me yesterday. It literally happened to me yesterday. I was literally on the couch. I scrolling through TikTok, and I saw a Luminati uh, Freemasons thing. And I started to do some research and learn exactly what it was. And knowing what it was put a ton of fear inside of me. Um, Put a ton of fear in the satanic things that have been going on and just how high they go and what kind of people that are doing it and just this world and how powerful these people are. In an earthly sense, freaked me out, scared me like crazy. But then I went and went to the Lord Just like the disciples did, Lord, what are we going to do? How are we going to do this? How are we going to defeat this evil on this planet? What are you going to do? This is terrifying. I don't even want to bring my own kids into this world. Freaking out, right? And I sit down, I'll finally be able to calm my heart and I ask the Lord, what do you want me to know from this? And it was literally just like He said here. This all happened yesterday. It's just like He said here. Why are you afraid? You have so little faith remember who i am remember who i i am god i am i am and you have my spirit within you so what are you afraid if god is for us who can be against us that is what that is why jesus is so frustrated right here now again i also want to go back to what i've said before when we were starting this episode seeing is believing people from Right now, people say seeing is believing. I mean, that's been a thing for a long time, not just right now. But seeing it, if you don't see it, it's not real. If you can't see it, touch it, feel it, it's not real. That is, that is false through and through. There are so many things that have happened um, in this world that are unexplainable. And yet, even Jesus, pre- <laughs> and even G- God gives Jesus us, Jesus, he got, God gives himself as an earthly form for us so we can see, we can touch him, we can feel him, we can watch him perform miracles in front of our eyes. And yet there are still people, still tons and tons of people in this word, world, um, in the word that don't believe Jesus. After seeing him and touching him and feeling him and seeing what he's doing and still don't believe. So obviously seeing is believing is not true. And if we s- and because he gave it to us, and yet ton of us still don't believe. And if we had to see to believe, then we didn't then we don't need faith. And faith is one of the essences of our faith as Christians. It's to have faith that God is the planner, Jesus is the accomplisher, and we have nothing to worry about because he is the God of of all gods. He's the king of kings. We have nothing to fear. But speaking of miracles, I decided to do a little bit of research and to find a miracle. I mean, we've all had miracles in our lives. But again, some people are like, well, that's not, that's not a big enough miracle. That's just coincidence, or, which I don't believe in coincidence at all. But you can literally go on Google and search up miracles, unexplained miracles. And you'll find a list. I mean, there's books written about miracles. There's, so for those people to say that miracles don't happen anymore, not true. They're just not looking. They're not, they're not opening their eyes enough to see anything. I found this, uh, which is unbelievable to me. So in 1998, there was this four-year-old boy named Luke Berge. And he was suffering really bad from this gastest... Gast- excuse me for the word, but I don't... It's a big word and I don't know how to really pronounce it. Gastrotestinal... Gastrotestinal condition. So this gastrotestinal condition is when he's uncontrollably having diarrhea over and over and over and over again, like six to 10 times a lot. So like a lot of times he's having diarrhea and it's unexplained. And of course, it's draining. It's painful. Um, his dietary track is in tons and tons of pain. And so obviously he gets put, he gets sent to the doctor and, and they're running tests on him. They're uh, putting him through diets. They're giving him antibiotics, trying to figure out what is wrong. And they have no idea what's wrong with this kid. They have no idea what's wrong with Luke Berge. And they don't know what to do. And so after, after weeks and weeks of this happening, of them trying to figure it out and can't, the mother decides to go to their Catholic church and to get some of the nuns and the sisters to pray. And so as they're praying, they're praying for Luke and their asking for the Lord to heal him. He's still going through a ton and a ton of pain and he's still going through. Nothing's nothing's working, nothing's fixed. Um, but they end up praying for nine days. Nine days. They sit there and they pray for nine days asking the Lord to perform a miracle in front of their eyes. And again, a lot of people say miracles don't happen anymore. Until now. So after nine days of praying straight, the nuns and the mother stop praying. And as soon, they found out this later, but as soon as they stopped praying, that about the same time that they stopped praying, the son, who was either asleep or unconscious, it's unclear, due to the pain um, that is constant within his stomach and the diarrhea that's happening six to eight times a day, he ends up shooting up and sitting up from his bed and looking around and realizing that this is the first time since he's known that he's been without pain in his stomach. And so the doctors come in and they find out that he doesn't have pain anymore. So they're wondering if the antibodies, if the antibiotics started working, or so they started running some tests. And they found nothing has changed within him. Nothing's changed in his body. But as they're doing these tests, they realize that he's not having any diarrhea. He hasn't had any diarrhea since. No more pain, no more diarrhea. No more anything. And he shot up, completely renewed and free from his pain. At about the same time, they were done praying after nine days of prayer. Miracles happen, people. They happen all around us. We just need to know where to look. And the Lord will show you how to look if you ask him into your heart as your Lord and Savior and receive his spirit as your own. Okay. Enough about that. I'm passionate about miracles working because they happen. They happen all the time. But we need to continue to move on. So let's open up to Matthew verses, chapter 14, verses 13 through 21. So just a few more pages over. We're going to head over to Matthew. And so let's see what verses 13 through 21 have to say. As soon as Jesus heard the news, he left on a boat to, to a remote area to be alone. But the crowds heard where he was headed and followed on foot from the towns. Jesus saw the huge crowd as they stepped on the boat and he had compassion on them and healed their sick. So, oh, there's a bunch of other miracles that aren't recorded as one of the 30, 38. That evening, the disciples came to him and said, this is a remote place and it is already getting, getting late. Send the crowds away so that you can go to the villages and buy food for themselves. But Jesus said, this isn't necessary. You feed them. But we have only five loaves of bread and two fish. They answered, bring them here. He said, then he told the people to sit down on the grass. Jesus took the five loaves of two fish, looked up toward heaven and blessed them. Then breaking the loaves into pieces, he gave the bread to the disciples who distributed it to the people. They all ate as much as they wanted. And afterward, the disciples picked up 12 baskets of leftovers, 12 baskets of leftovers. About 5,000 men were fed that day. In addition to all the women and children. Okay, there's a lot to unpack in here, but the overall title, he gives you everything you need. Okay, if there was 5,000 men, let's assume, so just to get a more accurate number of the total of people there, let's assume every man had a woman. Every man had a wife. Now, obviously not every man had a wife, but let's just assume. So that's 10,000 people. Now, let's assume that the children, let's assume every... Half of them all had one child. Now some will have more, some will have less. But let's assume 2,500 children. 12,500 people there. And Jesus performs a miracle according to God's plan. And feeds 12,500 people approximately with just two fish and five loaves of bread. And yet there are 12 baskets of leftovers. And everyone was full. Even those who have received Christ as their Lord and Savior and have God's spirit within you, that is almost impossible to wrap your head around. It actually kind of is because it's kind of impossible. That's why it's a miracle. How to have 12 baskets of leftovers after feeding 12,500 people with two fish and five loaves of bread. Dang. That is a miracle right there. And that is Jesus. I mean, we forget how crazy that is. We read over like, oh, that's a cool story. No, that happened. That miracle happened. It was all part of God's plan to change all these people's lives. And for us to be able to read it now and to change lives today. And Jesus accomplishing this miracle is insane. But it all comes to the fact that he gives us everything we need and not just food he gives us everything we need. And that's not always stuff that we want. We usually want more. It might not be comfortable, but it's what we need and he will give it to us. I mean, a, a personal story for our family was my dad was going through a job that he didn't like, but the Lord put him there so he can grow. For the future, for what we now know is was a blessing, but we didn't know at the time. He was going through a job that he didn't like. So then he ends up getting out of that job and he's jobless and every opportunity that comes to him is shut um, the door's shut and it doesn't work out and that happens for about a year and remember life still goes on after a year and he hasn't had a job and the Lord keeps saying be still be patient for I have a plan allow me to work and just wait on my timing and so we wait we wait on the Lord for over a year for a job. My dad's jobless for over a year. Um, and every time an opportunity comes up, it falls through. And let's remember, bills are still being paid. And um, things are still being, expen- like expensive or expenses are still needing to be paid. And our lifestyle isn't changing. Now we ask the Lord, okay, where do we need to make cuts? Where do we, because I mean, it's my dad, my mom, my sister, and I. And so it's a family of four um, still moving about our lives, so it's expensive, and especially with no income. And before then, the Lord asked my mom and dad to give away and to use all of their retirement money for things that the Lord has asked them to use it for. So they had no retirement money. They had no savings in that area. And so we asked the Lord, okay, where do we need to cut back in our lives? And the Lord said, you don't. I will bless you. I will give you everything you need. And for a full year, we didn't change anything about our lifestyle because he asked us not to. You wouldn't have even noticed. And yes, money got tight, but we had everything we needed. As a family, we, we we went without nothing because the Lord provided everything. And he would provide us with a little bit of stuff there, a little bit of a bonus there, a little bit of money there, But it was enough to keep us going. Because he gave us everything we needed. And then, from obeying the words of the Lord, from obeying God's plan, and allowing Jesus to accomplish all these things within our lives throughout that year, my dad was blessed with his dream job. After going through a crappy, crappy job, going through a terrible job, and then a year of unemployment. He provides everything you need. It might not be what you want, but he will give you everything you need. Now let's go to Matthew. We'll wrap it up here. We only have a few more. I know this is a long one. We only have a few more. We'll wrap it up here, but let's go to Matthew chapter 17, verses 14 through 21. So for me, just the next page over. And it reads... At the foot of the mountain, a large crowd was waiting for them. A man came and knelt before Jesus and said, Lord, have mercy on my son. He has seizures and suffers terribly. He often falls into the fire or into the water. So I brought him to your disciples, but they couldn't heal him. Jesus said, You faithless and corrupt people. How long must I be with you? How long must I put up with you? Bring the boy here to me. Then Jesus rebuked the demon in the boy and it left him. From the moment the boy was well. Afterward, the disciples asked Jesus privately, "Why why couldn't we cast out the demon? You don't have enough faith, Jesus told them. I tell you the truth, if you had faith, even as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it would move. Nothing would be impossible. I mentioned that a little earlier. Now, obviously, Jesus, again, is frustrated from the lack of faith. No matter how much faith you can have, if there's a little bit, an ounce of doubt within you, the Lord's going to know. And he knows that your faith isn't full in him. That's what happened with the disciples. There's this demon inside this boy trying to kill him. And they were like, we don't know if we can do this, but we have faith, but we have faith, but we have faith. And they tried and the demon was not cast out because the demon was able to grab hold of their doubt. And yet Jesus came in in frustration knowing that after all this time again, after all this time and everything you've seen, you still don't have faith. Complete, true, honest faith in me and who I am. And who my father is. And so then he casts out this demon, which is not a miracle in and of itself. Again, accomplishing the Lord's plan and showing this miracle to those. And again, to part of the plan of giving the disciples an opportunity to grow more in their faith. Now let's go to uh, to the book of Luke, chapter 24, verses 1 through 7, and see what that has to say for us today. But very early on Sunday morning, the woman went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared. They found out They found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. So they went in, but they didn't find the body of the Lord Jesus. As they stood there puzzled, Two men suddenly appeared to them, clothed in dazzling robes. The, w- the women were terrified and bowed with their faces to the ground. Then the men asked, Why are you looking among the dead for someone who is alive? He isn't here. He has risen from the dead. Remember that he told you back in Galilee, the son, of, the son of Man must be betrayed into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and that he would rise again on the third day. Now, I had to read this scripture. I had to read the scripture when we're, when we're talking about the accomplisher. Jesus, the son of God, the accomplisher of God's plan, the planner. This was the whole reason of his plan to put Jesus here on earth, for Jesus to accomplish the resurrection. For him to die for our sins and to be rose again three days later. So that we have the opportunity to choose eternal life and to give our life to Christ and to ask for forgiveness for all of our sins. That was the whole plan. And Jesus accomplishes it right here. Now the last, uh, second to last verse we're going to look at to wrap things up here is John 8. So flip to John 8. John chapter 8, we're going to read verses 54 through 59. Jesus answered, If I want glory for myself, it doesn't count, but it is my Father who will glorify me. You say He is our God, but you don't even know Him. I know him. If I said otherwise, I would be as great a liar as you. But I do know him and obey him. Your father Abraham rejoiced as he looked forward to my coming. He saw it and was glad. The people said, you aren't even 50 years old. How can you say you have seen Abraham? Jesus answered, I tell you the truth. Before Abraham was born, I am. At the point, they picked up stones to throw at him. But Jesus was hidden from them and left the temple. Oh, This this verse gets me on fire every single time. Every single time it lights me up. Because Jesus is here and this is when he proclaims. This is where we get the Trinity from. Because this is where he proclaims that they are all one. They are one in all, all in one. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are all different. And they all have different purposes, but yet they're all God. All in different forms, but yet they're all God. And he says it right here. Abraham, if you don't know the context of this story, this is Jesus talking to the Pharisees and and the people of the town that don't believe in him and the believe he's a liar. And Abraham, who they talk about, is a man who followed Christ and followed God long, long, long time ago, way before Jesus was on earth. And they're like, how in the world do you even know Abraham? Like you can't even know Abraham. And Jesus since he is God, he proclaims right here that I am God. I am God, I am the Trinity. That of course I know him cuz I created him. I am his heavenly father. But yet he's in he's in earthly form. He's he's Jesus. Ah, oh, so beautiful. That that is the Trinity. That is the essence of the Trinity right there. Jesus is God for they are one. All in one, in one, in all. Just, just beautiful. So we're going to wrap it up here. We're going to end it with 1 John chapter 5, verses 11 through 12. Where it reads, And this is what God has testified. He has given us eternal life. And this life is in his Son. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have God's Son does not have life. You can choose the Son. You can choose Jesus. You can choose the Accomplisher. And you can choose God. You can choose the Planner. You can choose the Holy Spirit. You can choose the Trinity. You can accept them as your Lord and Savior. And you can receive God's Spirit within you, AKA the Holy Spirit, and understand more so this spiritual topic of the Trinity. But most importantly, you can receive God as your heavenly father, as a good, good father, and receive his plan, and allow, and allow yourself to walk along his plan. God is Jesus. The planner is the accomplisher, and the accomplisher is the planner, and Jesus is God. But yet, their roles are very different within our lives. God is our planner of our life, every aspect of our life, and Jesus is one to show that he can accomplish the plan of God, and to give us the proof to look back at his good plan. If you're willing to accept God as your Lord and Savior, this is the time, this is an opportunity that you can do it. I'm gonna pray, and if if you're feeling led, that to give your life to christ and to know that god is the one i want to follow jesus is the one i want to give my life to and i want to understand this more i want to learn more accept him as your heavenly father and give your life to christ and then repent of all the sins that you have committed thus far so you may be cleansed and move forward and have the opportunity to every time we mess up which we will again and again and again that we have the opportunity to ask for forgiveness So if this is that moment for you, close your eyes, bow your heads, and repeat after me. Dear Lord, I believe, I believe that you are my heavenly father. I believe that you died for my sins. And I believe that you rose again three days later. You are the one true God. And I give my life to you. I ask for forgiveness, Father, for all of my sins. So that you may cleanse me and I may move out in faith. I love you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you just prayed that prayer, you just accepted the Holy Spirit God's spirit within you, you now have God's spirit within you, and you need to go back and listen to this podcast and listen to this episode again, and watch how the Trinity just comes to life to you, and watch how you see the accomplisher accomplish God's plan. I am so happy for you, I'm so proud of you, this is a the biggest moment and the biggest decision you can ever make in your life, you have just given your life to Christ, into a good, good father's hands so he may bless you and love you through it all. I hope you now understand what it is to receive God's spirit because I know you feel different and I know there's something inside of you that feels just a little different and that's the Holy Spirit within you moving around and now he, now you've let your father in and now he's not going anywhere because he loves you so much and he's been waiting for you to open the door so He, so you can get to know him and he can just love on you. Congratulations! Go celebrate. Get yourself the word and study it. If you don't already have a Bible, get one and study it. Find a community of in uh, a church and go dive in and learn in community. For that is what the Lord has asked us to do. For Jesus even had his disciples; he had his community. So go. I'm so happy for you guys. Thank you. Celebrate. Literally, thank. Celebrate. Get yourself a cake. Do something fun because you deserve it. This is an exciting time. This is a beautiful moment. And don't don't celebrate it alone. Go go out with community and celebrate that you have just received the Holy Spirit within you. Thank you guys for listening to this this episode. Thank you guys for listening to the Trinity, the Accomplisher Part 2. I hope you learned something about the Trinity and grew more in your faith and your knowledge on the Trinity, that Jesus is the Accomplisher um, and that God, his Father, is the planner. But yet they are all one, and they are all different. It's crazy to wrap your head around. Next next episode, episode seven, part three, we're going to go into the Holy Spirit, and that is a juicy one. So make sure you're there and listen to that one as well. Thanks, guys. Um, I love you all. For those who have just accepted Christ as glory and Savior, congratulations. Um, what an exciting time. We love you guys. Uh, Go and make disciples and we'll see you next time.